1: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello
2: and welcome to the Publicly Challenged Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Oswald, and I hope you join me on my quest for knowledge to become a better hunter, angler, and forager. Stick with us and who knows, maybe we will learn something together. Before we get to the show, I just want to mention a few things. Initial Ascent Packs, they're awesome. I used a 2K all last season. Still using it now for stuff. Uh, I'm going to be using it for uh, training, for uh, prepping for my hunt and getting some miles in with some weight on my back. And I just recently picked up a 6K, and it's going to be awesome as well. Plan on using it on my elk hunt along with the 2K if I'm doing some day hunts or something and having a base camp. But uh, if I'm packing on my back and going in there, depending on where I'm at, I'm going to be using that 6K. Uh, Dennis and Joe are amazing people. What's awesome about that company is you can reach out to them, and they're the ones who are going to answer your call and actually talk to you about their product. And you're going to even get a handwritten note from them thanking you for your purchase and uh, wishing you luck on that hunt. And I just find that is super awesome and amazing in this day and age to have somebody that does that for you and uh, actually hand writes a note for you is just amazing and uh, on top of that it's an american-made product and one thing about this podcast is and myself is just that anything that's american-made that i can support or get behind and it's a quality product i'm going to talk about it this is not a paid promotion i'm honestly just talking to you about an amazing pack so uh check them out if, if you don't have one or you're looking for a pack give, give them a try uh you'll like it for sure And then on top of that, we're going to talk about TreelineAcademy.net. TreelineAcademy.net is the most comprehensive e-scouting course ever, ever made. Mark Livesey is just an amazing, amazing wealth of knowledge, and he's willing to share that with everybody. So uh, check that out and see what's going on there with that. Use promo code PC2020. Save yourself 20% on sign-up. It's awesome. And uh, actually, it's not 20%. It's 20 bucks. Save yourself $20 off of sign-up. Then the next one I want to talk about is Basemap. Basemap app with their hunt data, the the online mapping system for e-scouting, setting waypoints, smart markers, Uh, so you have all your hunt data on the wind and anything, as long as you have a cell signal. It's absolutely amazing. There's so much more that's coming out. They've updated their offline maps, so they're way, way, way faster than they used to be, which I know a lot of people were actually kind of complaining about that, but now they're lightning fast. I've downloaded them, used them. It's awesome. On top of that, they've got some new updates that are coming out that are just going to blow you away. Can't talk about them yet, but we will be talking about them, so check them out. Use promo code pc twenty five. Save yourself 25% on sign-up, only on the website, not on the app. And with that being said, let's get to our show. All right, so I'm sitting here, and I am talking to Randy Cooling. And uh, Randy, you, uh, you've got an interesting lifestyle, and, and uh, I'm kind of curious to hear some stories along the way about this. So can you go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit?
1: Yeah, I uh, actually, my job for 42 years is working on elevators and escalators and i retired in january and about a year and a half ago i purchased safari tough and i manufacture bow cases back quivers, finger tabs and some other things and uh i'm starting to come out with some other products and working on new ones but uh that's been my my real passion it seemed and i have a very bad hunting habit and uh (laughs) That probably seemed more like my job than my job uh, to my wife and other people because I got it worked out so I was going hunting about between twelve and fourteen weeks a year getting off my regular job to do it <laughs> that's so uh, yeah i was I was fortunate they'd let me take it off actually you
2: and I are gonna have to talk after this podcast so we can figure uh... out how I can get that much time off. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you gotta do you gotta be willing to take it unpaid (laughs) so that's that's the start of it
2: sure (laughs) you know take
1: take a lot of it unpaid anyway so when did you first start hunting randy i started bow hunting deer in 1974 and i started out on a uh old bear at the time it was new it was 55 dollars. it was a bear super grizzly victor and uh I had fiberglass arrows that were top of the line then. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, but, uh, so, and then, then from there, I was probably, well, I was, yeah, I was 14 then, and in eighth grade, I believe, when I started, so, and then it just progressed along the way, and a uh, little tough for the first few years when you're in high school, I was playing four sports, and you know, it makes it a little harder getting out. But uh, I always had the passion, and I had when well, before I could drive, I'd get dropped off. I'd go out and wander around the woods and stuff. And back then, I I was living in Iowa, and really back then there weren't hardly any deer. I mean, if you saw a couple deer, you were you were doing pretty darn good, little on uh, killing one. Believe really? really it or not, now and there were no not... there were no turkeys at all back then. Um. Yeah, now, I don't even know what the population is in Iowa. Probably a million or something of them. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think the population back then for the whole state was like 20,000 deer, maybe. Hmm. And there's a total of 5,000 hunters, maybe. Something like that. Wow.
2: (laughs) Yeah. That's crazy compared to now's numbers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I kind of got into that. A, A friend of mine in high school, his brother hunted. And so he started when we were younger, and then I'd go out and stay at his house and uh, before we could drive, and we'd hike about two miles down to a river bottom to try and uh, try and get a deer. I don't think there was much chance of it the way we were going, but uh, <laughs> uh, but it was a lot of fun. It was a good start, good memories, yeah, that's like it.
2: I tell people all the time that, I remember when they were talking, and it was uh, they were hosting meetings in different town halls for with the the DNR for the reintroduction of the turkey and uh, I just I, I keep, keep thinking back to that, and I can't remember when it was because I remember I was a kid, but by the time I was in high school, they actually opened up seasons, so I mean it was quite a successful reintroduction. Was it the same way for you?
1: Yeah, it was a long time though. Uh, I believe Iowa got turkeys from Missouri because Missouri was a popular place to go to go turkey hunt and that. And I think they started getting them from there and transplanting them. But I don't remember when the season started there, but it had to be oh, uh, it had to be maybe the late 80s, uh, okay. around 90 or that. And it was a draw to get a tag and. And that, so it it wasn't even that easy. They were very limited.
2: Yeah, I think that's how Illinois started out, and and I actually put in like the first year you could. It was like two thousand, I don't know, two thousand one, two thousand two, something like that. And oh, uh, and I drew it, and then stupid me, I never even went and hunted it. And I had the per- <laughs> I had the perfect spot. I ended up something happened. I don't remember what, but I I never yeah. ended up hunting it. But uh so let's talk about something a little more positive. Um yeah. so I'm just kind of curious, when did you kind of get the the bug to start hunting like Western Big Game and then where were Well
1: yeah, how I how what really happened is back in uh eighty one, a guy that is one of my best friends now and I go hunting every year with uh was looking for somebody to go out to Colorado, elk hunting. And back then uh uh elk license was $135, <laughs> deer license was fifty dollars, and I believe we could drive out and back, eat, buy gas and everything for about four hundred bucks a piece. <laughs> and uh uh we took it was kinda it's kind of funny. but we took just a regular cab truck with an eight-foot box and four of us, and one guy crawled on top of the gear and laid on top of the gear for our uh I think it was, uh, about 17 hour drive to get out there. Yeah. So somebody slept on top of the gear while the other three guys sat up front. Nice. And then when we, then when we got into the mountains, all four of us had cram into the front of that regular crab truck going up the mountain for two <laughs> hours to get back <laughs> into where we wanted to hunt. Yeah. You do anything back then, you know, yeah. to get out there and go. And, uh, so that, that, that was a and I Also, I remember going back then I was, pretty broke my wife was in school and and we were living in a one-bedroom apartment and I remember telling her you know going to her telling her it was a chance of a lifetime I'll never get to go again (laughs) (laughs) and I I, she still throws that at me now and then to this day (laughs) and we were we were just married 40 years Sunday congratulations uh, on that (laughs) thanks but uh but, uh, yeah, it was – yeah, and I, I think there's other people, too, that throw that at me, too, friends now and then, that I actually said that, <laughs> chance of a lifetime to go on an elk hunt. So, and I think I, I've been almost every year since then now, at least on one elk hunt a year and sometimes two. And yeah. uh, almost. There was a couple years I had – I went brown bear hunting one year. I didn't make it elk hunting. But but there's other years I went twice, too, so.
2: So when did you – um. I mean, what kind of led you to wanna travel over overseas into different countries and kinda <sighs> get into just I mean, really just going after you know, all kinds yeah. of things.
1: What what really got me going overseas was uh my dad always my dad didn't hunt at all, but he'd go with us on hunts like elk hunting and he'd do all the cooking and, and cleaning and he'd make fresh pies every day and <laughs> fresh donuts. And yeah, he just, and he loved to just sit out there. We'd sit out there with mountains on both sides of us and he would love to do that. And, uh, he always wanted to go to Africa. And so I thought, you know, it's a, I, I didn't have a lot of desire to do it then. And, uh, but I thought, you know what, I want to go, I want to take him. He wants to go before he gets too old. And, uh, him and I went to Zimbabwe like in 97, I think something like that. 98. And uh, it really got me hooked. I just, it, 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 I love to hunt different animals. You know, some guys will just concentrate on North American stuff and that, and which I, I do love that. I've been all over Canada and stuff, but I, uh, I, I love to travel, get out, see other cultures and uh, hunt different animals that, you know, are com- completely different.
2: Yeah. No, that's awesome. I'm always, it's always kind of intrigued me. Cause like you and I were talking a little bit about earlier that, you know, I always watch the Fred bear videos and I've got the complete series of them all. And I, every once in a while I'll watch them and you like the tiger in India and, uh, um, you know, everything. But at the same time, I'll watch him go pheasant hunting and just think, man, you know what? <laughs> I don't even need to leave anywhere to go do that. But there's always that kind on the back burner. But at the same time, I still need to kill my first elk. So like, Oh it's, uh, yeah. You know, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of other things I need to do, but um, maybe, maybe one day I'll get to that status to where I can actually do all those things. But like, it makes me wonder, what's the craziest thing you've ever encountered when you're out somewhere on a hunt?
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> that's a, that's a good one. Cause I don't ever, as far as crazy. Now you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't ever. I don't ever look at look at, you know, I'm trying to I'm even trying to think of a time when I thought, oh, my God, my life's in danger or something mm-hmm. like that somewhere. Um, uh, I will say. The thing that really irritated me. Um. I was in Turkey Ibex hunting a year ago, and when I travel, we always, I always take my bows apart and I have a, I build a case that's made for holding a fully strung recurve, or when you take it apart, the ends fold in and lock together, and you can put your takedowns in there. And when we went to leave Turkey, they made me take my bow case out of my duffel bag, which is the way it came in. I have it between the clothes, and they made us send it on the plane without being protected in my duffel bag. Oh, no. And not only that, once they did that, and my Aeromaster with my arrows in it, my back quiver they wouldn't let me have that in my, bo- in my bag either. So all that stuff went back to Chicago. Well, once they took them out, I went from two bags to four bags. And now they wanted another $240 <laughs> to haul my bags home because I had four now instead of two.
2: I wonder if that's the reason why they did it
1: <laughs> i i I always say it was extortion yeah my my guide we were in the back with uh people working there in the back room, and my guide was ripping them up and down, and I don't know what all he was saying, <laughs> uh but he was ripping them and he wasn't giving up, and they were holding the plane for us to take off just for Denny Sturgis and I uh because we were in there trying to get settled up and get it straightened out, and our guide wasn't giving up and didn't want us to give up, and hmm. and uh, yeah, but I finally I got him convinced that we would just pay it. We wanted to go home.
2: No kidding. And
1: because they weren't giving in, yeah. So so we ended <laughs> up giving them their two hundred. I gave them two. For some reason, mine was two forty. I think Dens was like a hundred sixty or something. I don't most... even know how they came up with that because they were, they were sent the same way, you know,
2: that's interesting. So, but, I mean, have you yeah. ever had something to where it was like, today is the day I'm probably going to die.
1: I mean, you... I've I've had a couple of plane rides where I was very uncomfortable taking off, um, leaving, leaving grizzly bear hunting. We landed on him like on a, not really a mountain, but a big hill, but he landed, like flying into the hill and landed going uphill. And when he did that, you kind of go hard into the hill. Well, when we went to take off, when he came to get us to leave, it was pretty warm that day, which makes it harder for him to take off. And uh, he kept walking back and forth on where he was going to run and looking at the plane and looking things over and sizing up the distance. And I always catch that kind of stuff because I'm not a big fan of, little planes <laughs> and landing in the bush you know but i've done it a lot and i still don't like it and i walked up to him and i said uh what's going on and he says oh nothing i said well i see you sizing things up he says nah we'll be fine and i said okay and we got in that plane and we got all loaded up had a guide with us and had my grizzly bear hide and stuff and we're going down that mountain going down hill and we're getting to the end of where we got to be up in the air. And I'm hanging on now cause it's not looking good. And I thought, and, and I was nervous as hell and I'm hanging on tight and hanging on tight. And right before we got to the end, it's like somehow he pushed that plane straight up in the air and we just jumped up off the ground and took off <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I look over at him and he's looking at me smiling. And he goes, "See, I told you we'd be okay." <laughs> and I screamed the f-word at him so loud <laughs> cuz it 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 was looking really bad. I mean, it I was I was really nervous. That's probably the only time that I got that bad. I I I've been on plane right plane uh one plane flight bringing a moose out of Alaska. We'd load a little bit on the plane and the guy would look at his tires. Then we'd load a little more and he'd look at his tires. He'd load a little more and he'd look <laughs> at his tires. And, and that's how we, and that took a long time to get off the ground too. We were on a pretty big gravel bar. But uh, uh, on that same flight, we were, we were, uh, went up above the clouds. They were pretty low that day. And we're getting back close to, this was up in Northern Alaska out of Dead Horse, Prudhoe Bay, where the pipeline starts. is where we were going back to and i see his head bobbing and looking around the windows and we got headsets on so we can hear him talking to the tower and we can talk to him the tower just can't hear us guys and i and and uh i the tower comes on says uh uh we got a twin otter 6 miles southwest of dead horse and he gets on and says something like this is 011 We're six miles southwest of dead horse. And then he looks around at us and says, boys, we got to find that plane. And all I had, I just had this vision of this plane dropping out of the, from above us or something. It was a bigger, a little bigger plane than us and dropping down on us. And uh, we're looking and looking and pretty soon he says, I got a hole up here. And he dips down out of the clouds and gets under them. And that plane comes out about the same time. The clouds just north of us a little bit. (laughs) <laughs> and landed and you know stuff like that I'm sure it was no big deal but when you when you're when you're not you know doing that or in control is the biggest thing you know and that's maybe why I don't like that kind of stuff because you have no control at all no you know you're just you're just sitting there <laughs> but, <laughs> and whatever kinda, happens happens <laughs>
2: kind of seems like a lot of the hunts you do though I mean that's kind of your uh your main mode of transportation isn't it
1: yeah yeah i mean a lot of water landings i like water landings better um i've landed on a lot of gravel bars uh but it's just and and some of it's not so bad you know i mean like if you some like a sheep hunting in alaska it's a base camp you start from it was a horseback hunt and they have a pretty good runway that you can land on to get up a little bumpy a little dippy in that but not bad and, stuff like that and that doesn't bother me so much uh i was i was really apprehensive about flying in a helicopter and i never would do it my wife wanted to ride a helicopter one time through the grand canyon i wouldn't do it i just didn't didn't like the thought of it could just drop you know there's no glide there at all i i, I got to say
2: one of the coolest <laughs> one of the coolest experiences i had was riding in a Huey with the doors oh, wow. off and uh oh, wow. um, and the pilot was, uh, he was a Vietnam pilot that had been shot down like three or four times. And uh, he said to everybody, he's like, you know what my punishment was for getting, getting uh, shot down? Here's another airplane. Here's another helicopter. Get out there and fly it. And he's like, oh man. <laughs> oh, and uh yeah, yeah. He, he said, Needless to say, I learned how to fly pretty good and take these things to the limit. And uh, he, he showed us the well, limits of that thing. <laughs>
1: and it was amazing. I think they're they're taught to put those down if they lose power and stuff. Yeah. Like it was, the, I my first helicopter ride was on in uh, Northwest Ter- territories, doll sheep hunting. And I, that's when I was like, "Oh boy, here we go!" You know, and that thing's awesome. I I loved it. I I'd, I'd much rather ride in a helicopter now. It's it's that, pretty that cool. I've been in one in that and and talked to somebody that knows about it. And those guys are taught to put those down. Now they still yeah. wreck and and oh, yeah. uh, you know I know people but this people guy died from it. In that but this
2: guy was going 110 knots, banking sideways. <laughs> And wow. right, right over the cornfields. I mean, it was oh. it was it was awesome. It was pretty cool. And no matter what you did, seatbelt, no seatbelt, if you're sitting on one of the benches with the doors off, there's enough G forces to actually hold you in that seat. You're not you so I mean, Don't even you,
1: feel like you're tipping out, huh? No,
2: no, it was pretty cool. That was
1: awesome. Oh wow. Wow.
0: I gotta
2: say, I after that, I was like, man, if I ever win the lottery, I'm buying a Huey. I'm going to learn how to fly it and I'm going to get into all kinds of cool public places that nobody else <laughs> can get to.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, North actually up in Canada, Northwest territory is the only place you're allowed to use helicopters to hunt. Out oh, of. really? Like BC. Yeah. You can only use airplanes. Hmm. So like Mount goat hunting there, they got to land you on a lake up high in the mountains Interesting. rather than and Because in, in the NWT, they can just drop you on top of the mountain, which is really nice because they drop you in a val- little valley or a little dip somewhere on top of the mountain. You get out and load your stuff. You can set camp up right there and start hunting. That's pretty rather cool. Rather than having to back pack up to the top and all that stuff.
2: So, So what's that like? I've always kind of wondered. I've it's never been on my bucket list as far as hunting, but what's, uh, I mean, what's it like doing a sheep hunt? You hear it's like the hardest hunt you've ever done in your life. I mean, what?
1: Yeah, it's, I love it. It's, it's living off your back and, um, they're different. I mean, there's different kinds. Um, but like the horseback hunts, are fairly easy, except for falling off the horses and the horses being a pain in the ass and all that, but you can cover ground um and that's that's a different kind of sheep hunt the ones in the northwest territories when they drop you off on top, you can just hike, stay on top, and hike and look for sheep and you know and it's and uh just hike down the ridges. It sounds simple I mean they're still up and down and steep and and you can get in places um where it's a little hairy walking and stuff when you're not used to it till you get basically get your sheep feet under you um (laughs) and get used to it i i was in a i I, mountain goat hunting is where i've been on three mountain goat hunts and they were all way worse than any sheep hunt i've been on really and i've been on i hate i'm gonna say it i hate to uh this should make me a better sheep hunter. I've been on five doll sheep hunts and haven't drawn my bow yet. Oh and, no! <laughs> uh, oh yeah, yeah, that's my claim, claim to fame. There, <laughs> my uh, wife
2: would never let me go I on. I don't know another if anybody can do that.
1: Well, and <laughs> to be fair to the outfitters, I could get within seventy-five yards, but I needed to get within fifty, fifty-five yards to shoot. Yeah, I mean, my that's recurve, my I mean, recurve. Yeah, I don't even know if I have the
2: confidence with a with a compound to. You know, I'd want to get in on it, too. (laughs) uh...
1: (laughs) So, anyway, I, you know, like one time I had, I had, uh, I don't remember, eight or nine rams bedded down, and I was sneaking in on them in the Northwest Territories, and a grizzly bear ran down and chased them out on them. I was 75 yards from them, and uh, (laughs) I just, bad luck with wind, and uh, Alaska, one year in Alaska. We couldn't find a shooter ram. And last year I was in Alaska hunting and I had a, a really good ram coming right towards me up the mountain. I was on the very top waiting for him to, just going to wait for him to pop up over the top. And he got, I forget, I think it was like 80 some yards. And the wind changed and he caught me and barreled out. And that was the only shooter I saw while I was there. Because in Alaska, they got to be uh, full curl or eight years old. So how do you tell and, they're
2: eight years old if you can't?
1: Uh, the rings. Okay.
2: The gro- Okay. Yeah.
1: The growth rings on them. I don't judge them. The guy does. He's the one responsible. So <laughs> no, no pressure. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not. I wouldn't judge them. But, um, I mean, you can tell. If they're really big, it's not a, you know, if they're really old, it isn't a big deal. But when it gets down to be seven or eight, you know, it's 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 up to them. So if you so, could,
2: if you could hunt one, one animal for the rest of your life and not hunt anything else, what would it be then?
1: Probably elk. Really? I love elk hunting. Yeah. I like, I like backpack hunting. I, I don't know why I'm kind of a big guy, but I love crawling in and out of them little tents and, and <laughs> carrying my pack. And, uh, uh, my last real backpack hunt was in, on Kodiak Island in Alaska for a mountain goat. Wow. And, uh, it was definitely, I killed one and it was definitely one of the best hunts I've ever been on. I mean, it was, it was after I shot it, we had to hike, uh, we had to take every day out and hike 13 hours out to the ocean to get picked up by a plane. Really? And, uh, my, I didn't have to carry as much. I had a guide and a packer. And when we got back, we weighed their packs. Mine was probably between 50 and 60 pounds, maybe, um, But the guide was carrying 117 pounds, and the packer was carrying 100 pounds. That's brutal. And you're going down through brutal brush where you're hiking brown bear trails down that's covered with brush, and you can only feel them with your feet that you're on the trails. And and there's a weed there. They call it snotweed. And if it gets a little wet, it's just greasy. If you step on it, there's just you're done. You're going to go down. If you don't, if you pick up one foot, the other foot's on snotweed.
2: oh you're man. just going
1: down. And my packer, I know my packer fell five times with a hundred pound pack on his back. <laughs> That's <And> brutal. <laughs> yeah. I fell a few times and I wasn't even carrying as much as them. but, um, and, uh, then when we got down to the bottom with everything, we had to get to the ocean and there was brown bears fishing in the rivers around us. We had to navigate through them and, and uh but it was uh just an you load up camp every day while you're up there and move looking for goats and uh it's just an awesome hunt just just that's pretty cool it was it that's... was a great hunt all of, the sheep and the goat hunts i love that it's just it's getting harder and harder for me and the goat hunts are just treacherous uh actually uh, on that on that goat hunt they wanted to walk a ledge. We were up on top on like a knife, kind of a knife top. And we were walking down it. And then we come to this ledge and I don't know how wide it was. Not very wide. It looked like about six inches, but it was probably two foot wide maybe or something. And it went kind of down and around and I wouldn't do it. And I mean, we got a full pack on our back. All you'd have to do is I'd have to turn the wrong way and it knocked me right off. And you then you'd fall, however far it was. It was, it was far enough you are going to die, let me put it that way. Oh, that's always and great. And so I, I told him, I said, I, I don't want to do that, guys. They go, what? You don't? I said, I ain't doing it. He said, well, we're going to have to go clear down and go around. I said, yeah, but I'll be comfortable the whole time. <laughs> and and the, the packer says, well, we really don't know if we can get all the way across. We were in a new area. They were just hunting. He says, we really don't know if we can get all the way across it anyway. And I said, "Well, there you go." <laughs> and so we we went around. I, I tell all these you know guys going on those kind of hunts for the first time, sheep hunting or anything. If there's something you absolutely don't want to do, if you're afraid to do it, just just don't do it. There's no. We we climbed up. A, I climbed up on a sheep hunt one time. We climbed up this this pretty sheer face and. At the top, it flattened out and then went back downhill. But there was two rams laying up there. And uh, this is in the Northwest Territories. And me and the guide and I climbed up there. Now, we didn't have our, well, we had our packs, but not full packs because we were just going out from base camp that we'd set up. But it was, it was, we got up to the top and it was probably about 60 feet up, maybe 70 feet up. And when we got up there, what looked like it was a three-foot ledge was about six feet. So mm. I helped him up over the top, lifted him up to get him over the top. And then I had to get over. And I was sitting there, and I was trying to grab the grass edge and it'd tear away. And pretty soon his foot come out. He says, grab my leg. And so I reached up, and I grabbed his leg. And he was hanging on to a big rock up there, and I pulled myself up over the top, by like, grabbing his leg. But that, that was a place we had to go. I couldn't go back. You couldn't go back down. Going, going up is un- – anywhere, climbing up is way easier than going down. That's what I was going to yep. ask you is yep. how the heck <laughs> – Yeah, you have control going up. Going down, you, you can lose control so easy. So how did you end up steeped. getting down? <laughs> Oh, we just walked around. It it oh. angled down. The only reason we went up that direction is because there was sheep laying up there. And the I wind was you. right. Otherwise we would have just went around and we could have walked right up it. It was no big deal. <laughs> it was just a matter of how we had to get there. Nice. <laughs> and it didn't look too bad till we started climbing it. I mean, halfway up there I had to he got he got I got he got over these rocks were just so sheer and I, and took my stuff and then I had to like keep one foot planted. And swing my whole body around and get the other foot planted, and he grabbed my hand, and I was sitting there like spread eagle on <laughs> on uh, across these rocks, and then had to get momentum to pull my body back over to the other side. It was that was that was one of the hairier, and that fall in there probably wouldn't have died; it would have hurt really bad. Yeah, but hurt, hurt really be,
2: bad, depending on where it, you are, Randy. Yeah, it could be, it yeah, could be
1: really bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, But, um, I, so I'm
2: kind of, I'm kind of curious, um, you talk about how you kind of tell all these, you know, newer guys or guys that it's their first time doing something like that to, to, you know, make sure that if they're not comfortable with it. Don't do it. But what's some advice you would give, uh, a newer hunter, a hunter that's going on these different trips in the backcountry like that? Like what's your advice as far as gear or, uh, one, one thing that you always, you learn that you just take with you all the time.
1: Um, one thing I carry with me all the time, no matter where, if I'm just day elk hunting, out elk hunting elk for the day or anywhere, I don't care where I go. I take a good bivy sack that weighs and, and that it'll pull up over your head. I mean, if you get stranded for the night, at least you can crawl in that out of the weather and it, uh, they only weigh, you get a good one. They weigh about a pound is all. Yeah. So you can put it in the bottom of your pack and uh, always have it ready. Uh, I've only used it one time and for for staying out like that, and that was in the Northwest Territories. We were four hours from camp and on some sheep. And basically, I was too lazy to hike four hours back to camp and get up the next morning and hike four hours back up to those sheep. I can't say it by So... <laughs> I, I told the guide I wanted to stay out there all night and sleep in the rocks. And so we, he says, you really want to do that? I said, I don't want to hike back there and then back here in the morning. And so we just stayed there and uh, put on a puffy jacket. And I crawled in that bivvy and uh, froze my ass off all night.
2: <laughs> shivered, shivered the night yeah. away. And woke yeah. up oh, woke yeah. Yeah. Some was, sore spots from the rocks. He,
1: he tried, he tried cutting a bunch of moss. And making a bed out of the moss but he said didn't do any good he still froze (laughs) laying in that he didn't have a bivy sack either i he just i think he put his rain gear on and slept in his rain gear
2: i know i've seen some people they they take like a tyvek suit with them Mm -hmm. or something and they do that to where at least they've got a little extra trapping layer of warmth and keep some of the moisture out but yeah i
1: don't yeah well i do that just because if if it rained i still was going to be dry I get a bivy sack, uh, I can't remember the name of where I got it from, but it's made out of event.
2: What's what's and event? What's that? Event?
1: Like that. That's, yeah. it's a waterproofing material that, um, the first time I ever heard of that, they used it in boots. Okay. But it's probably, from what I understand, it's probably about the best, and you don't see it at you don't see it in all the boots because it's more expensive to use.
2: So is it like real breathable or something too? So you yeah, don't get a lot of moisture yeah. trapped on the inside. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that makes, It's that makes it's, sense. It's
1: really, really good. It's a really good material, um, for keeping water out and yet breathable. I know.
2: I know a lot of bivy sacks trap a lot of moisture and you end up waking wet anyway. So it's mm-hmm. a that's and a problem. and on
1: that hunt, that goat hunt in Alaska, I actually took a down bag, which a lot of guys say not to do, but my guide said, bring a lightweight down bag, you know, bring a down bag and, uh, and use a bivy. And then I slept in a little Hilleberg tent. So I was getting moisture in the Hilleberg tent a little bit at night, but,
2: the he always
1: uses a down bag, huh?
2: I've got the Nalo, uh, for yeah. the, and if, if I don't open up the vents just right or have them where it's stretched super tight, you do get. A decent amount of moisture in there yeah, yeah. but yeah I, i've also noticed like even if it's cold out opening the vent properly that that you get you get a lot more airflow in there yeah you're colder but at least uh you're not getting so much moisture Hmm.
1: yeah yeah and i i normally always take my own 10 i have a, a hilleberg Nyac that i always take with me if i'm going on sheep hunts goat hunts or whatever that hunt he had a uh the goat hunt he had and i don't remember which one it was but he had a brand new hilleberg that he wanted me to try out and so i knew it was going to be decent and right and i didn't take my nyack but i normally take my nyack on every hunt for a couple reasons the very first sheep hunt i went on in the northwest territories we had one tent out there for me and the guide, one small, tiny tent, and we were tight shoulder to shoulder
0: no, and thanks. we
1: had bad we had bad weather and we had to stay in that thing for thirty six hours and uh <laughs> yeah, it was tight, and uh no more than you know like my NIAC, I don't even think it weighs three pounds
2: so was your NIAC you know. a one a one person or a two person
1: they call it, it's like one and a half, they call it a man and a dog, I think.
2: Mm, um yeah
1: it's 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 got room the the vestibule on it isn't real big but it's got enough room inside that you can you can pull your backpack in with you if you want and and that kind of stuff you know there's there's room in there i mean it's not giant but but you know (laughs) for that size but i i after having that hilleberg i mean i i think they're awesome tents and the 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 tent is hooked to the fly so if you go to set up set up and you take it out you th- there's two poles that go over the top that cross one corner to corner mm-hmm. you pop it up and it's there and you don't if it's raining and you set up your tent's not going to get wet because i don't uh, know if
2: i can do that with mine or not i never the fly thought the fly about is,
1: that. yeah the fly's hooked to the tent the tent's always hooked to the fly i should say so it's that's a really good option. It's it's like a
2: oh yeah, as mine far as is.
1: as far as the tent itself, I it's it's a three season plus tent, yeah. Because the the sides don't go clear down and touch the ground like a four season regular yeah. four season so tent would. My my but nalo go down is, pretty far.
2: I think my nalo is a four season then,
1: probably because because
2: so. it doesn't really have a fly. It's got the outer shell and the inner shell, and then. um. Uh, I put the footprint on it, but I just leave the footprint and everything on it. And when I pop it up, I put, I think it's, I think it's three poles.
1: You probably, you probably, oh, is it? You probably yeah. got to, do you got to have stakes for it to stand up? Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, got to have my, stakes. The, the Nyack is freestanding.
2: Oh, that's pretty neat. Dude. Cause I, yeah. <laughs> otherwise you're always searching for, like if you're, you know, on soil, that's kind of looser soil. You're always standing, standing around looking for rocks to try and tie it. And,
1: mm-hmm one <laughs> there was Well, one... you still do that want to tie it down and stretch yeah. it out but and use <laughs> rocks but
2: there was one night though <laughs> my ass was kicked so bad from getting up there just getting up there onto the mountain I said heck with it and <laughs> I said I'm not going to get any rocks I'm not moving anymore and uh just kind of staked it out the best I could and kind of drew it a little bit tight, And by the morning <laughs> I woke up and the the liner was about in my face. It was sagging oh, so no. bad. <laughs> oh, it didn't matter. It, it <laughs> no, kept me, I mean, it kept me dry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I just I couldn't do it. I was like, it doesn't matter. I'm 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 done. I'm cashed out. <laughs> And then, uh, I know know the feeling somebody made the comment. They're like, man, that thing's kind of sagging. Does it always do that? And I said, no, I just didn't care to stake it down any more than I did. I think I used like (laughs) six, six of the eight stakes or I don't even remember.
1: (laughs) Just enough to get it, get it, crawl in. Right.
2: Yeah. Pretty much to throw my pack in the, in the vestibule and lay down and go to sleep. But (laughs) yeah. So have you ever used any of those shelters or, uh, Got into that kind of thing. It always kind of makes me leery about the whole open floor,
1: where where there's no. Yeah, well, for one thing, I hate mice getting into my stuff. I don't I don't like mice crawling on my forehead at night. Um, I've I've stayed in them, floor, and it was fine. I mean, I've stayed in some floorless shelters. I had a guide in Alaska that had one. Um, that he actually had a uh, sawtooth, Kafaru sawtooth, right, with a stove in it, and. We got one night. It got so cold, and we got back, and we're wet, and it was so nice going into that thing. He fired it up,
2: and yeah,
1: and I imagine uh, that'd be pretty uh, nice. you can't beat it. I, I, I would, I would do it. Is you know, I if there's a place where there's a lot of mosquitoes, I don't really want to do that either, you know. But yeah. they definitely have their purpose. They're nice and light, and um, I, I, I know they're. Good. I know a lot of people use them. I like them.
2: I just can't see like a spring bear hunt or um, even like a early season elk hunt to try and use. I don't know. Maybe that's just me, and I'm a wuss. But yeah. <laughs> it seems like well, I can't really see the the you know
1: without. Yeah. Nice thing about them though is you can you can put wood stoves in them. Yeah. But I think most guys you carry a piece of tie back to put down on the floor anyway.
2: And that's to you me. That's just one lay more on, layer of noise.
1: Yeah, but on the floor sleeping—that is a problem with it. You roll if you roll around a lot at night, you'll be here. The Absolutely, floor. and
2: like I, I toss and turn when <laughs> I sleep. So I actually just—I ditched uh, one of my one of my sleeping pads. I used it. My one had a leak in it, so I hurried it up and ordered another one, primed it up, took it, used it, and it sounded like a bag of potato chips the whole night. And I'm like, I'm the done pad? with this. Yeah, oh. I was like, I'm done with it. I'm not. <laughs> I gave oh, it wow. one chance. I'm not trying to, you know what I mean? It's just, it mm. made that much noise. I said, I, if I can't sleep at night, it, I'm not, I'm not using it. So <laughs> I don't, oh. I'm not going to say which one it was or anything, but yeah, uh, you know, yeah. it just, I didn't like it. I, so.
1: I run a, oh, what is it? It's an Omnitherm, Uh Thermarest. <sighs> Thermoress. Yeah. yeah. I run a Thermarest Neil, Neil Air
0: is okay. what
1: it is. yeah Yeah. i've used those for a long time i got a couple of them they got one that's a little bit heavier it's more square and then one that's rounded on the top and the bottom and and i've had good luck with those Uh, yeah i've uh running those they blow up about i think they're like 14 ounces 13 14 ounces and they're two and a half inches thick i believe yeah
2: that's pretty nice i just ordered i ended up ordering a big agnes i'm going to give that a try and see uh If I like Mm -hmm. that one better than the other ones I've used, but, um, I don't know. I've also noticed I'm going to quit using my breath to fill them up and use the, the sack that you're supposed to use to pump them up.
1: (laughs) I've never, I, I never, (laughs) I got one with mine. I don't even know how to use it or what you do with it. I'm not exactly. I don't know how you use it for that. I, I really don't. It, it's weird. The top. The bag comes out, and then there's, like, a long neck on it.
2: Mm-hmm. And it's open. A continuation weird of the bag. Like it's,
1: it's open. I don't it's know. Weird. How do you hook it on to anything or do anything? So I don't like know.
2: I just played with the Bag Agnes one, and it came with one, and I ordered the other one because it was the ultra-lightweight one. And I'm definitely carrying the the ultra-lightweight one versus the other one because it's almost as heavy as a sleeping pad. But um, oh, um but, but so – you take it and it's weird. You like fold the top and you push it in and then you like let it open the top again and you and you can almost grab it in your hand and just like compress it enough to where it'll hold some air and you push it down and it pushes air and it, it takes a little bit longer. But I'm starting I to think say. That, <laughs> But um I'm starting to think that it'd be better because now you don't have your breath condensing in there as bad, you know, now it's just air. Oh. I hate having to fill them up in the middle of the night. Or you roll them up and then they're frozen when you try and blow them up again because all your breath in there. That's yeah, terrible. I hate
1: I hate blowing them up at like eleven thousand feet or eleven <laughs> five is where I hate blowing them up at. <laughs> where you can't breathe. Next anyway. thing you know, I'm dizzy and spinning around. Can't stay on my knees. You know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, Randy, I got to ask you though. So, so, is there any advice that you'd give? Um, give like a newer hunter or people going on trips and doing all kinds of cool things in the backcountry?
1: yeah one one thing is don't go and worry about the money that you spent on if you're gonna get something or not. <laughs> you know you hear that a lot from guys that oh if I spend that much money, I gotta get something. well, you don't <laughs> and and uh you just you're hunting with a bow uh it's just possible things aren't gonna work out as you know if you're going hunting hunting is hunting and and not shooting normally, uh, depending on what you're after. I mean, there's obviously there's things you can go hunt where, uh, you go to Africa, you know, you're going to get to shoot some stuff, you know, get shots at stuff and that. You gotta, you gotta wait, you gotta pass up a lot of animals, but eventually stuff comes in that you can shoot. Um, but you can't, you don't want to let that overwhelm you that, that Feeling of having to get something or getting down to the end of the hunt, you're going, "Oh my God, I I spent two thousand dollars on this hunt and I don't have an animal." Well, that's the way it goes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what are you going to do? You can't, you can't let it consume you. So Believe you... <laughs> me Five dollar sheep hunts and I haven't drawn my bow. <laughs> yeah.
2: So how do you convince your wife then to? <laughs>
1: Let's
2: ask you that. You
1: know, it, what's the best I, advice you know, on I, that? i I'm my my wife and I. When it comes to the hunting and stuff, it's kind of a "don't ask, don't tell" oh, kind of a thing. <laughs> I don't volunteer information, and uh, she doesn't ask me. But she she know she knows it. It costs a lot to do it and stuff and that. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> I, I don't know how else to put it. She's she's she just she's busy with her own uh, career and stuff, and and uh, so we just I don't know. She's just, she's a good woman. I'll tell you that.
2: That's awesome. Doesn't
1: nag. Yeah. Never nags or, and I got it coming sometimes really big time too. And she <laughs> stays real calm about stuff. That,
2: that's pretty but, good. Uh, <laughs> so can we talk about uh, some of the new products that are coming out or no? Is that kind of something we want yeah, to keep?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, the, um, the, the, of all of them, the bigger one right now is, uh, I have a two arrow boat, where we're coming out. And it's gonna come out it's kind of to complement the back quiver if you if you, if you wanna and it's it's so lightweight that you can tune your bow with that quiver on and an arrow or two even but normally normally I tune it with one arrow and uh, because you're gonna be pulling an arrow out of it to shoot it right so I tune my bow and paper tune I always paper tune and uh you tune your bow up with that and take it on or off. If you don't want to have a bow quiver on during the summer and stuff, you can always throw that on your bow should, uh, still be in tune or, or really, really close to it. I tried mine with it and my bow shot the same with or without it on. Hmm. And, uh, I'm hoping to have that out in the next month, hopefully in the next month, guys have been asking me about it and asking about it. And, uh, right now the first one coming out is going to be a side mount where it mounts on on recurves that have uh the uh inserts mounted in the side of the riser for 1024s right and it's just a thumb screw the 1024 thumb screw that's going to hold it on and so uh and then I'll have a limb mount coming out a little bit later but uh I'm waiting for the factory. I I should be getting the arms for it from the factory. I'm supposed to get them this coming Monday, so it it should be very close. Nice. But uh, uh and then for the AeroMaster, I guys guys have uh asked for a better strap that goes across your chest. And probably by next week I'll be having a new one come out that you can replace Oh, excuse me. I'm gonna sneeze. Oh, a new one that you can replace the uh, old one with if you want. That's going to be padded and wider, and and uh, because of the edge on it, if the strap gets against your neck, if you're just wearing a t-shirt, it won't won't be so sharp and be able to work into your neck. Nice. So uh, I'll have those, and that'll be an option when people order them if they want to add that on, or uh, it'll it'll work on any of them any of the older ones. So guys could just buy that and put it on if they want. And Randy. And, oh, no, no go, go ahead. ahead. Nope. <laughs> no, I'm working on a few. No, it's not important. I'm working on a few other things too, but they're not, they're so far out that that I don't even want to bring them up. Cause okay. I found out with this quiver, everybody was seeing it on my bow. I've been shooting a quiver like this that I designed. This is probably the third year or that. And guys see it. And then, you know, I say, yeah, I'm coming out with it. And then I get messages constant. <laughs> is it ready? Is it ready? Is it ready? You know, yeah. which is fine. I'm I'm glad there's interest in it and stuff. That's kind of what made me do it is I was getting enough interest from guys.
2: That's cool. That's awesome. So, so um, I wanted to thank you for coming on and, and uh, giving your advice and kind of telling some cool stories and the insight from your adventures. Um Could you tell everybody where they can find you and your products and everything? Sure. Um,
1: You can go to my website, safarituff.com. And tough is T U F F. It's safarituff.com. I'm on Instagram at randy underscore cooling uh, and also at safarituff. And Facebook is Safari Tough and just Randy Cooling on there. Awesome. So, yeah. And anybody want? I'm I'm the one that answers the phone for everything. Um, if anybody has any questions, they can just go to safaritough.com, go to the contact page, and there's an email there and also my personal phone number. So, uh, if you call me, if you call Safari Tough, I'm the only guy. I run. I'm doing it I got help and i got I got some good help with the company, but uh I handle everything as far as business goes that direction.
2: That's awesome, Randy. I appreciate you coming on and talking to me and uh and uh thank you so much
1: yeah, thank you very much. It was a pleasure. I appreciate it. thursdays with saltwater experience brought to you by golden boat lifts every thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment a life that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life yeah baby 6 8 western Ooh. i'll be there baby right there tune in every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv